Welcome to episode 495 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Monday, September 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? It's going, dude. It is uh, September 11th, and it is 60 degrees with 25-mile-an-hour winds outside my window right now. Uh, as we are on the uh, the edges of what's left of Hurricane Irma, which now I believe is is tropical storm, tropical depression, uh, it's it's low, tropical right? Tropical talk to out. I'm tired of talking about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, oh, it, I will the good say news, this. Go ahead. You know, it, it got overhyped, right? In terms of what it actually did, that's a good thing, though, right? Yes, yes. You yes, have absolutely. to prepare on the high end, and then hope that this is what happens. The concern is that then people won't take it seriously the next time around. Yeah, well, like, uh, well, you know, my stepmom and my step-grandfather live about five miles inland in Fort Myers Beach, and my step-grandfather didn't want to go anywhere, and my stepmom wasn't going to leave him, uh, so they stayed, and nothing happened. I mean, their power has been out since yesterday afternoon, mm -hmm. and uh, but no damage, no flooding, no nothing, so I was very fortunate. I just didn't like being so far away from them to uh, being so far away from them on this was a, a little bit unfortunate. Happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, but everything's absolutely. good. And people that work for me, I've got a number of uh, team members that live in Florida and people have just lost power. But um, I did see one of the guys on the race communication staff. Uh, his mom had a tree go through her Mercedes, which sucks. Um, somebody that my wife knows lost all three cars in their driveway due to trees. And uh, one of her best friend uh, had some uh, flooding inside the house. They live in a Disney World. So that thing took a turn towards Orlando, uh, which sucked. But one of my other good buddies has solar panels on his house. So he had no power problems today. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that, you know, that's, that, that's a positive. Again, hearing mostly stuff like, hey, we lost, you know, had some property issues, but good to go. Uh, Paul Costava, who's contributed in the past, uh, you know, his father stayed. And, and, you know, he really didn't want him to do that. And it turned out everything was all right. Little, little power loss, all that sort of stuff. And our producer, Justin Mason, points out, <laughs> perhaps, since, since it wasn't so bad, I feel like we can make a joke about uh, Irma. Uh, well, it's not even on Irma. It's on your beloved Redskins, Jason. He said, don't forget, the Redskins were a bigger disaster. Only, okay. only topped, only topped by my fantasy football opening weekend because everybody <laughs> loves we talk about fantasy football. Uh, yeah, when you when you put Kirk Cousins on your three DraftKings lineups, uh, it does not go so well. When that dumbass throws a back foot interception in the in the red zone, which would have given him the lead, but that's all the football I'm going to talk talking about, about today. You talking about the one that wasn't an interception though. Or no, that no, was the one that was, no. wasn't a fumble. The one that wasn't no, a fumble. No, no. This was – he was on – they were on the six-yard line, and he's got a, two guys wide open, and he throws a back foot oh, pass, yeah. Yeah, and he ends up hitting the defender in the middle in between two guys. Not good. There's two not guys good. wearing a uh, burgundy jersey, one guy wearing a white and green one, and that's the one he hit. He found that one. Well, Lions won, and I did awesome in fantasy. So there. We'll, we'll wrap that up. Let's talk some baseball. I'm not sure the Cleveland Indians are ever going to lose again, although I do remember having this distinct feeling – uh, about the Dodgers recently, too. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But they are in the midst of what? It's 17 now or 18? Uh, 18 going 18. for 19. Going for 19. They're up 4 nothing against the Tigers. Miles J is pitching. Um, and the, we know how Tigers' bullpens Doesn't are. Doesn't he but... play in the NBA in the other season? Or is that yes. Miles Jack? No, yeah. It's, oh, Miles Jack's a football player. You're thinking of... I think Miles Jack's a football player. Um, we're back to football again. Oh, no. Oh, no. We got to get out. Look, I could have sworn who's the Miles Jack is a football Jack. player. Uh, Miles Jack plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
That's our Jag- Jaguars. Uh, but I swear there's a basketball player, Jack. Oh, well. Garrett Jack is a basketball player. I do know that. There you go. Okay. Uh, but keep putting it on fantasy since the winning streak, I mean, doesn't it, it helps in fantasy, but kind of focusing on Cleveland leads us to our question of the day. Who is the first player drafted from the Cleveland Indians next year? And obviously you can choose anyone you want, but I feel like the candidates are Corey Kluber, Francisco Lindor, and Jose Ramirez. Who you take him first and why and when, I guess, is, is also an appropriate question. These are all great questions because you could make a case for all three being first-rounders in a 15-team mixed league. Absolutely agree. Wow. Um, I'm going to go Lindor. Okay. And, and it's I not by much late, at all. Late first-round area then? Uh, it's 10-12 area. Like okay. 10. Like yeah. the, all, they all three could be like in the in the ten to fifteen range. I don't know if I can take any of them in the first round in a ten team, but I could do it in the fifteen. I, I completely agree. Um, I think even right down to Lindor being the guy. I love Jose Ramirez, um, and you know, the the thing was, I just thought that he had a very similar bat to Lindor. So if you loved Lindor, you should have loved Ramirez, especially cheaper. Lindor's shortstop eligibility is still going to carry the day for me. And I do love Corey Kluber. Absolutely do. There's no there's no two ways about that. But I'm, I, I still don't love taking a pitcher in the first round that isn't Clayton Kershaw, though I don't know that I'm ready. I, I'm dying to take Kershaw in the first round next year. And again, I think that's less about him next year, even though the injuries we can't ignore on Kershaw, uh, and more that Kluber, Scherzer, and Sale just aren't as far apart. I think they've closed the gap a bit, if only because of Kershaw's injuries um, bringing him back to the pack a little bit while they all, all have gotten a little bit better. So that that's kind of how I feel. So I think I would go Lindor, Ramirez, Kluber. But again, I could really see them all at the back end of that first round. That's a rich team. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about uh, something that, that they're planning to do to respond to an injury they suffered yesterday. And uh, it's an, it's not a new segment because I'm not sure we would have it every week, but it's, it's this week and stupid. And uh, Bradley Zimmer hurt himself sliding into first base. And I will grant you that of the very rare occasions when sliding into first base can at least be defended, this was among those because he was trying to avoid a tag. But as I believe Mike Petriello put it, the potential – uh, downside, which is the injury, is not worth a base hit. Now, I understand instincts. You know, he's not thinking. He's not doing some calculation in his head as he's running down first. Well, if I dive here, then I have a 48% chance of getting hurt, blah, blah, blah. I get all that. I just I don't like diving into first base. He hurt his hand. I think he got, uh, he got it stepped on, broken bone in the left hand. What they're going to consider doing is putting Jason Kipnis in center field. So first question is, with Zimmer's season done, how do you assess his uh, his rookie year uh, and, and what's your outlook for 18? And then we'll get into Kipnis as a potential center fielder for the rest of this year. Man, since Justin's listening on mute, do I have to be nice about Bradley Zimmer? Or can I be... Uh... <laughs> he he might have walked away. He said he would be in and out, so <laughs> maybe you'll catch him. No, Perfect. Uh, that guy sucks. I'm here. Oh, there you go. There he is. <laughs> Don't you dare talk bad about my Bradley Zimmer. <laughs> I'm with no, you, I mean, he, got, he started out awesome. He started out awesome. He closed poorly, but, you know, that's going to happen with a rookie. It's what we expect. Uh, it, we, I think we talked about this a week or two ago. You see the athleticism oozing out of the guy. He's just a, a physical specimen. He runs like a like a gazelle. Everything is there for it. Uh, for the same reasons you didn't want to dump on 
Byron Buxton. Everybody wanted to give up on him. And look what Buxton's doing now that he's had some consistent playing time. You can't quit on athleticism. And I don't want to I don't want to quit on Zimmer. In fact, I'd be out targeting him if and, and just if people are going to keep bringing up how he closed the season like four oh, for yeah. his last 84 or whatever. Keep talking about it. Fine. That's what I want to hear. I'm with you on, on that right down to the fact that I'm going to be targeting him because I do think that there will be a lot of, oh, well, he really closed poorly. What's Bradley Zimmer going to do? Uh, the the broken bone in his hand is it, getting the the off season from now till the uh, spring training to heal really shouldn't be any sort of issue. He flashed power. He has incredible speed, like top of the scale speed. He was 18 for 19 on the bases. Bradley Zimmer was in 101 games. And even with that colossal cold streak, he still hit 241. And I know 241 isn't good, but what did you say? It was like four for 80 or something. It feels oh. like it. I know at one point he was four for 54 oh, and yeah. all four were singles. It, it, it was it was absolutely brutal. I knew he I know he had like a one for 30 uh, at the beginning of that, too. So, you know, it, it was a tough finish for Bradley Zimmer. If you look at his uh, August numbers, it was a 370 OPS. Didn't get much better in eight games this month with 577. Some 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 harsh rookie learning curve there. But uh, I still really like this guy. I'll definitely be interested in, in him going forward. Jason Kipnis as a center fielder now. I believe he was an outfielder at Arizona State and got moved in to the infield at second base. You know, he's no paragon of health himself here. In fact, I think he's either just coming back or actually he's still on the disabled list. So this is going to be when he returns that they're going to they're going to look to uh, play him out in center field. How do you feel about Jason Kipnis in center field? It's been a while. I mean, he played all three positions out there in college. He was primarily a center fielder. But when they move you from center field to second base, what does that say about your arm? Not great things. Not so great, Tim. Um, <laughs> and we haven't used that in a while, so I figured I had to get that back in. Uh, Anytime you get that in, it makes me happy. <laughs> and it makes you know not happy, which makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> it, we just want to keep them on the field. I mean, if you can get your best lineup out, I mean, they've got enough defense in other positions. They can absorb this. If all he's got to do is play passable defense out there, you hope they can, you hope he can do it, but it's not, it's, it's just the, the reads off the ball on how things go out there. It's not the easiest position. We, I mean, you're talking about quite a jump on the defensive spectrum back the other direction. Um, it, no doubt. Can it be, can it be any worse than, um, uh, God, what was his face last year that was just a butcher in the outfield for them? Naquin? Naquin, thank you. Could it be any worse than that? I don't know. I, I doubt it. Naquin was bad it. out there. Naquin so, w- uh, really <laughs> struggled. Um, I wonder if Chisenhall will get, get some look out there again, too, because uh, I think they've put him out there a few times, and I don't really think of Lonnie Chisenhall as a center fielder. I mean, we have the, you know, you just mentioned Byron Bucks, and we'll actually talk about him a little bit in a moment. Um, you know, we have that idea of a center fielder, Byron Bucks, then Kevin Parr, Kevin Kiermeyer, the super fast athletic guy, Bradley Zimmer himself, of course. So then when you think about, like, Chisenhall or Jason Kipnis, it certainly doesn't jump out like, oh, that's going to work. But I think Chisenhall actually held his own out there for like 20, 25 games. So maybe he's the more apt one to put out there than maybe you throw Kipnis into one of the corners. You know, I th- this this could be a little bit of an issue, though. Their outfield defense. You know, we still have uh, Michael Brantley on the bench. Why wouldn't Austin Jackson absorb most of this center field playing time is kind of my question. Especially, uh, obviously, they're trying to play for home field advantage. So uh, yeah. you would think they would give – just 
maximize your defense. So they have a, a game game lead on the Astros going into tonight. Okay. Uh, so it's not like they can they can afford to screw around with a bunch of stuff, and they can't keep winning this forever. And the Astros are playing some bad baseball. I mean, they got swept by Oakland by the A's by four, Oakland, right? And not even pretty. Yeah, four a doubleheader in a three game series, and it was not even close. Barf. That 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 that's that's not good. That's not good at all. But you know, it's not it's not Dodgers bad yet. So they can always just kind of hang their hat on that. Hey, we're not at the Dodgers level of struggling, so it's going to be all right. So we'll see where they, this goes. By the way, the 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 this weekend stupid part wasn't necessarily Kipnis to center field. I'm not. Uh, I'll hold judgment out on that. It was really Zimmer sliding into first. But then our second piece of this weekend stupid is Jimmy Nelson got hurt. Now a pitcher getting hurt certainly isn't terribly surprising. But do you know why he got hurt, Jason? It is because after he got a base hit because pitchers hit for. Some reason in the National League, he was diving back into first base and hurt his shoulder. Yeah, and I want you to, awesome. I want people to, I know we're recording this on a Monday night, but if you're listening to this, then go back and watch this game that I'm watching right now Tampa Bay and New York Yankees. They're playing in City Field, and I'm watching a DH. This is possible, people. You don't have to do this. Now, yes, Jimmy Nielsen did hurt himself running the bases and diving back into first base. That sucks. But again, don't stop making pitchers do things that pitchers shouldn't have to do, i.e. hit. Um, And now we've seen pitchers pinch run. I've seen Chris Archer pinch run. But I think one of the things they tell these guys, don't dive back into the bag. Don't slide hand first. And these things happen. Um, But getting back to Nelson, I – this really impacts 2018. I mean, what he injured, he has the exact same diagnosis I'm recovering from. I'm 10 weeks out of surgery and I still can't lift my arms over my head. Yeah, it is. It's not. I, I, I was telling, I was talking to somebody today. I don't think he makes it back until at least May. Cause it's going to, it's going to oh, push man. back. What's going to push back his development schedule. I mean, because yeah. I know what the throwing program, right? So he's got a throwing, he's got the part of the program and stuff he's allowed to do and stuff he can't do. Uh, and he's not going to be able to throw anything for at least three months. When I had That's my so when brutal. I had surgery on my throwing shoulder, I wasn't allowed to throw anything for three months. And then when I started throwing it, it was tennis balls. And it was tennis balls into a trampoline kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's where things were, and that I wasn't able to I wasn't able to to start just throwing. Uh, I think I was playing quarterback in my flag football league at month six, but that's a you know throwing a football is a different motion uh, for everything. So I know I don't think that's that's much of a big deal. Uh, I think it's a little harder there, but. So again, that's six months. Six months from now, if he has that surgery, October, November, December, January, February, March, that puts him in the middle of spring training. That's which so is why bad. I'm too, thinking he's not coming back till May. Nelson had a big breakout season. I mean, uh, just an excellent, excellent year. 175 innings with a 3.49 ERA. The skills to completely back it up. 125 WHIP. 10.2 strikeouts. Two and a half walks. Under one homer per nine. You know, he and Chase Anderson, who also got hurt while whilst batting and, and again it and Nelson wasn't they've had three guys get hurt while batting this year and yet I think you can still find Milwaukee fans who who are, are still saying that they want pitchers to bat like I, I I don't understand what the thinking is there I don't understand the thinking at all but when your team's been this heavily impacted by it like why are you why are you still clinging to it what is the there there is no value yeah, you I, would I think, think a uh a municipality that was born as an American League team. Well, actually, no, I take that back. 
They were a oh, National no, yeah. League team when they were the Milwaukee Braves. And then, then they, got, they went to the uh, AL as the Milwaukee Brewers for, uh, before things got shuffled around again. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, but it, it just it just doesn't make sense. I mean, their dream season has been heavily impacted with uh, what was it like six weeks of missing Chase Anderson and now the final stretch run here with Jimmy Nelson yet they're obviously they're still on the doorstep competing here but imagine where they would be if they'd have gotten all that time out of Chase Anderson pitchers should not bet and, and maybe Junior Guerra wouldn't have had the struggles that he's I don't know you know I, I don't know how much that's still impacting him so I don't want to stretch too far on that but they've had three of their own pitchers just this year, and I and I saw some Brewers fans saying that they're still cool with pitchers batting just today on, uh, or, yeah, with pitchers batting. And I, ah, they're day drinking. Uh, clearly, clearly, and you know what? I don't know what to do about it. You know, they they love their beer up there, and so we'll just let them drink it. We'll just let them drink it. Let's move on to a couple uh, another injury here, and then get into some guys looking at their uh, their 2018 outlook. Because I I'm not sure we're gonna be able to give you a ton of help down the stretch here. Everything is so context dependent that you know we can talk about a few guys that we like uh, going forward. We didn't we didn't have to I didn't have time to record this weekend, so I, I was asking to push it out till today. So um, maybe next weekend when we do it, we can we can talk about guys for that final stretch there. But for the most part, I th- I think it's already kind of shifting. The 2018. So uh, Michael Fulmer is going to have ulnar nerve surgery. It's the same as Jacob deGrom. And we saw how he came back, uh, you know, a couple struggles here and there for Jacob deGrom, but otherwise he's had a pretty fantastic season. I figured there had to be something wrong with Fulmer. What do you take away from his sophomore campaign that ends unfortunately on the shelf? Uh, I enjoyed watching him pitch for most of it. That's what really when it comes down to it, I really enjoyed watching him pitch for most of it. I hope that he doesn't have to take as long to come back uh, as as Degrom did. Uh, I think he's having anything. a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think Degrom had it. I think he might have had it in October, or November when the season was over. If if you guys know otherwise, I'm not looking it up right now. You can tweet me on that and correct me. But I think he might have a, a month or two on Degrom, which would obviously bring forward that. And you can't just say, "Hey, Degrom came back from it." Fulmer will be perfect, but this doesn't, from everything I read, this isn't something that's uh, super frightening. For example, something like what happened to Julio Urias with the shoulder capsule um, that, you know, has us very scared about his future. This is ulnar nerve realignment, I believe, in the elbow for for Michael Fulmer, kind of probably helps explain some of the bad starts he had uh, before his season finished out. Yeah, I think Fulmer will continue to be under appreciated because of his strikeout rate. And I understand strikeouts are very important. You talked about how much you enjoyed watching him as a Tigers fan. I watch him all the time. And this is one of the guys where I can honestly say that the, the stats don't accurately convey how good he is. And he's just 24 years old right now. This is somebody I really can see developing into an ace, even if it's, you know, two years down the road and beyond. Uh, I'm really eager to see the development of this guy, Michael Fulmer. So I'm not too scared of the injury. Obviously, Tigers aren't really, you know, they're not competing for anything now, next year, probably even the year after. So I'm not worried about it from that angle. Uh, he, He could present a value the way DeGrom did until it was clear in spring training that DeGrom was going to be all right, and then his price shot through the roof. So keep an eye on Fulmer for that, Jason. Uh, Let's move on to a few performances here that have been probably pretty shocking to most, and I wonder what that's going to do for their uh, 2018. Eric Hosmer hit 195 through the first 20 games of the season, and you know it was looking like, wow, as as all these other first basemen were emerging – and he was going backwards. It was looking really bad for Hosmer, both on the fantasy landscape and also the fact that this is his walk year. 
well, he's hitting 350 cents. And I, I am just citing the batting average on shorthand. Uh, you, you better believe that the OPS and all that stuff matched with it. I'm just, again, just using shorthand. The bottom line is he has a 910 OPS and 24 homers, six stolen bases, 85 ribs, and 87 runs. A career year in his walk year. What does an age 28 Eric Hosmer get on the market next year? This this winter, I should say. <laughs> Forget for yeah. a moment I'm trying to pick where he's going to go because that's a that's a whole other thing. That well, we you figure the floor at his age, you figure the floor is eight years. I think you know after what happened with Teixeira and everybody saw how that aged. Uh, I think people are going to be a little shy. I think honestly, I think the floor is eight years uh, for him. Uh, but I'm wondering if that's if that's going to be out there. I don't and know who's I don't know who's the who's willing to pay. Uh, we've seen how Pujols has aged on people. So you want to say eight years, and if I'm him, I'm going for eight years. But if I can't get eight years, maybe I'm trying for the five. Five and like in a read. Paid a lot. Yeah, get knocked out after five if I if I want it. Uh, try to do something like that. But I mean, this year he's making twelve point two. This year on the free at a, at a free agent level and the way he grades offensively, because um, that's where his value is defensively he grades out like crap. I mean, you look at his you look at his defensive metrics and he's been a negative defender every year. So he he's not helping a good there. He used to carry a good reputation. And the metrics have never liked Eric Hosmer. And, and then you'll get KC fans saying, no, he's good. And it's one of those things where they watch him and they think he's better. I, I'm, I'm uncertain. Yeah, on it's because they've had. Bob Hamlin and Steve Balboni that they've watched, <laughs> all right? Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a couple of guys there. But, I mean, that you want to say he's good, but explain to me the negative 20, the negative 25, the negative 20, and the negative 10 and a half. I mean, he's had one it's year where he's below year 10 runs. Yeah, one, it was nine and it was 9.4. And that, that's that's the problem. Like you can say the metrics in in a one given year, you, you can say, hey, those aren't those aren't accurate. Those are noisy. Even the the folks who make these metrics say, be careful with them in a one year sample on defense. But he has it every single year. So I don't know that that's going to be a drawing uh, point for Eric Hosmer. We saw what happened to some of the first basemen this year. Now they weren't quite as dynamic as Hosmer. You know, he's got the whole triple slash 328, 393, 517. Not saying that that's his new level. But uh, for career, 284, 343, 440, if, as long as the power's up a little bit uh, over that career and then the other two are kind of where they are, that's going to be a quality first baseman, Eric Hosmer. But I'm just wondering where he's going to go. The one spot that jumps out immediately is Boston uh, because Mitch Moreland was, is a free agent after this year. Right. And they could pony up. They've got money. Dom, Dombrowski's not afraid of free agents. If he went, let's just theoretically put him there right now. If if Hosmer went to Fenway, how would you feel about him? Uh, I don't know if I I don't know if the ballpark enhances or hurts him in any way. He doesn't strike me as the guy that's just going to wear out the Green Monster. Uh, I mean, the lineup around him would certainly be good, and we saw what he could do with a with a good lineup around him last year when he drove in 104, I believe, yeah. last year. Yeah, drove in 104 last year. Um, so we we could see what he can do there. And uh, allows him to DH a bit. <laughs> he doesn't have to play first base full time. I'm trying to see, of course, none of this, none of the sites want to work, but I wanted to see what the free agent class looked like at first base. The free agent class as a whole isn't very good. I, I, I got it here for you. As far as first basemen go, let's see. You got Yonder Alonso coming off of his, his big year, but obviously coming back to the pack in the second half after an all-star bid. Uh, Lucas Duda, Matt Holliday, 
John Jay, so Adam Wind had a great year. He does have a $5 million mutual option. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe uh, Washington just said, hey, stick around, maybe depending on how they finish out their season. Logan Morrison, um, Mike Napoli, Mark Reynolds, Carlos Santana, a lot of same. And I really do think that – I'm not even a huge Hosmer guy, never really have been. Uh, we do share a birthday, but uh, that, that's 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 far as it goes with with me and Hosmer. I just wow. feel it's always that's been not a good class. It's not he, a good class. He definitely so he stands help. out. I mean, especially age-wise too. If some, you're going to go out and get multi, he's the only guy under that 30. is under thirty. Yep. You know, 31, 32, 38, 34, 34, 32, 30, 36, 34, 32. Exactly. So, I I think it stacks up well for him to actually get paid. Now, looking at these teams that are losing the first baseman, Seattle has jumped in on some big deals, but they, you know, they have Cano starting to get expensive and not necessarily making expensive mean he's been expensive throughout, but if he's kind of more this year than he was last year, that's going to start to be a big pain for them. Um, the Yankees have Greg Bird, although he's sitting again with another ailment. I'm just wondering if that guy's ever going to be healthy. Uh, the Nats, Lind is not their starting first baseman. The Rays are not going to sign him. Um, the Rockies, maybe. What about that? They got Mark Reynolds. They got a great season out of Mark Reynolds. Maybe we could see. Maybe we could see that uh, the the Rockies get Hosmer. Of course, anybody that goes out to Coors, you got to be happy about. What do you think a, a Coors Hosmer might look like? That would be nuts. That could be a that, lot of fun. That could be a lot of fun, especially you know he's been a batting average guy in the past. I wonder if he could spike up, you know, three twenty something. Um, and if it added to his power. Whew. Then, then you can be onto something. Then I start to change my tune on on Eric Hosmer as a fantasy asset. So that's Hosmer. Uh, don't, you know, don't don't judge a season by by twenty games. There, there were a lot of hate on him after twenty games, and felt like, oh, here we go, it's gonna be bad. And he's been excellent since then. Uh, pitching side of that of that coin, a l- little different, but uh, everyone's been waiting for the other shoe to drop on Gio Gonzalez, and it just hasn't. Uh, you know, now we're on September, uh, and he has a two fifty ERA. He doesn't have the skills to to fully support that, but you watch him and you can kind of see how he has. He's had a lot of success in the past too. This is not completely out of nowhere. I think, I think some of the uh, the disbelief in in Gio Gonzalez is a little bit overblown. Like, I'm surprised that so many people are like, oh, well, how is this possibly happening? I mean, this guy was really a really sharp mid rotation number two, number three type for like five, six years. Last year was his worst year. Uh, he had some issues there, but this year he's bounced back. Strikeouts are are down though. I think that's part of the problem. So the strikeouts right. are down, walks are up, but missing, um, not missing bats, but contact management. You know, he misses barrels, as they yeah, say. Yeah, but are the are the, I mean, are, are the walks up because this is where they were in 2015? Are the strikeouts down? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's his career worst, but it's still above league average for a starting pitcher. At, yeah, at uh, eight point two. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's out of whack is he's stranding runners all over the place, and that's, that's something he's never been able to do, and it's been, you know, driven you crazy. But yeah, his, he's got the strand rate of a relief pitcher this year at eighty-five percent, and that's insane. Yeah, uh, that's and it's not because, and it's not because he's giving up fewer homers because he's not, and it's not because he's walking fewer guys because he's not. Uh, it's it. just that he's he's not imploding, which is what he has always done to you in the past. And in the last couple of years, this is why a guy went from uh, the season he had in 2012 when he was 21 and eight with a 289 ERA, and then you know a couple of years later he's a full run higher because he'd get first and second instead of getting out of the jam. He'd add gas uh, gas to that fire, and he's exactly. been able to avoid that this year. But are you asking me to believe in him? And for 2018, not really. 
Well, what, what, what is not believing in him? Because I don't think he's a 250 guy. I didn't really think he was necessarily a sub three guy back in 2012, but then he went 336, 357, 379. I mean, you look at those three seasons, just because they're escalating, I don't think he was necessarily getting worse. In fact, the first two of those three seasons for Gio Gonzalez were basically the same, and then he spiked up a bit in 2015 with the uh, 9.3 hits. I don't think the BABIP repeats. It's one of those things where it's almost like a Cubs situation where the defense has been really good and helped support Gio Gonzalez, and I think that's helping drive a 248 BABIP. So bring that back up you know, to uh, 290, which is his career mark. Um, okay, then we're talking maybe like a 350, 360 ERA, but with a 22% strikeout rate, about eight-something per. Uh, the next out he gets will vest a $12 million option for him, so he's going to get him. that, and that's that's pretty solid for the Nats, too. $12 million for a guy you can get 180 innings out of is, is nice. He's so three, He's a three-win pitcher. I, I think I am going to, quote-unquote, believe in him next year because I don't think there's going to be any tax for this season because nobody wants to believe in Gio Gonzalez. So I think his price will essentially be the same. It'll be a little bit higher because he's he was coming off the bad year. I'm sure he was very cheap this year. I can't remember exactly where he was going. So it'll be higher than it was coming into this year for Gio Gonzalez, but I don't think it's going to be anything close to an exorbitant cost. Yeah, he was the 78th pitcher off the board this year. Uh, bump him up to 58th. All right, I'm setting my baseline next year at 12 wins and three three seven five ERA. I'll pay, I'll pay top 60 for that. Well, yeah, Won't 375 you? is about league average for a starting pitcher ERA this year. Hell, it's 415, I think. But uh, fantasy-wise, of the guys we use in fantasy, 375 is probably closer to the mark. So the 60th best pitcher, and just using the player rater real quick, 50, uh, 60th best starter this year was Patrick Corbin. I mean, what that, that seems kind of perfect. And so I think that's about where Gio Gonzalez is going to cost, around the 60th starter. So I will believe in him next year. I just don't think it'll cost much to do so. You think, you think you'd jump in there? I mean, you said initially that you wouldn't. If that's the well, cost, are you— year- in our years of playing together, it seems you all you're always the one who's like, "Hey, Gio Gonzalez is there. We that's, should take him." That's true. <laughs> and I'm I always the guy who's like, "Nah, yeah, I, I don't want." I to. forgot that. That's one of our bigger disagreements. Okay, I forgot. Yeah, because last year we didn't really talk about him because he didn't do anything. You're right. We have always had kind of the. I think even going back to Oakland, man, we've we've been on opposite sides of Gio throughout. You know, the latter half of Oakland when he was good goes to Washington. You're still like, not really. I'm like, oh. Gio Gonzalez. So, uh, okay. It'll just be like that again, and maybe I'll convince you next year, and if not, I'll just get him in different leagues, and, and we'll be able to uh, to discuss him at that point. But, uh, Jason, what I want to finish with tonight is uh, four kind of either-ors. Just, uh, again, looking at 2018, who you drafted first, guys that kind of uh, had big seasons and, and compare them to some other guys here. I want to start with uh, the flavors of the month. Uh, maybe not this month, but but August, certainly, and carrying into this month. And I want to look at Reese Hoskins and Byron Bucks. And I know we've talked about both separately, uh, both with you and with Eno. But they just, first off, they just keep performing. So it'd be one thing if they'd fallen off, and I still keep bringing them up. But they, they do keep performing. And if they have another good two weeks and finish out strong, they're going to be two of the buzzier players so I'm curious who you're drafting first next year, Reese Hoskins, Byron Buxton, 15-team standard mixed is is kind of the, the rubric that we're using here. Who are you drafting first, and whereabouts are you drafting them? I won't pin you down to a number, but just give an idea. Oh, if I – assuming all the other craziness out of it, I would end up taking Buxton and the top – 
top 60. Ooh. And Hoskins like top top 85. Ooh. And you I know think, what? I won't get either of them. I, I think you're right on, on, on that. I think especially on Hoskins. Uh, but, but actually, no, on both, really. I think you're right on both that, that you won't because, again, they're going to be two of the buzziest players, and it's going to be so easy for people to convince themselves to get back in on that Byron Buxton train uh, without a doubt. And I'm fully in on the Reese Hoskins train, man. This guy... I'm just wondering, like, even if you kind of, you know, you 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 bring things down to a normal level and you and you and you regress him, I feel like you're still at a really strong level. Look at what this guy's doing with a 16% walk rate and 20% strikeout rate as this as this elite power hitter so far. Now, an elite power hitter for 31 games is not the same as doing it for six months, but again, regress it down, and he's what a, a 12% walk rate, 23% strikeout rate. 280 ISO, you know, and the batting average could actually be good. It's 296 right now. I'm not sure that that's completely out of bounds with with these kind of plate skills for Reese Hoskins. And I think even early we were saying he could be a 35 homer hitter. I think we were saying something like 250, 35. If I'm bumping that up to 275, 285 with 35 homers, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna be down in the two set. I mean, for first baseman, all I need you to do is hit 270. Yeah, it just hit the power. Yeah, you, the batting average would be gravy, to be honest. I, it's not It's not a requirement for Reese Hoskins. And if you happen to get, say, you know, a Goldschmidt or Votto or somebody early and he ends up being your corner, that's not – well, actually, he'd be an outfielder, I guess. E- either way, however, whichever way it works out. If he's outfield or corner as opposed to first base where the, uh, where the requirements are maybe a little bit lower offensively, you could have – you could have quite a player there, but I'm I'm really in on Hoskins. I, I didn't know much about him coming into the year. I knew that he had hit 30 home, 38 homers last year, and that you know he wasn't a huge prospect. But then he started doing it again this year, and I'm like, my one thing that I kept wondering though, I was like, well, why aren't they calling this guy up? He must not be that good. Well, I'm 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 an idiot, so that's <laughs> that just explains that because he was this good and the Phillies. I don't know what they were doing. Maybe they didn't want to start his time, but I don't, that doesn't make sense. He's 24 years old. They should have brought him up. Uh, just, just because he'd proven that he was ready for an opportunity sooner than they gave it to him, but they got him up and he's good to go. I think I would take Hoskins over Buxton. Um, but I don't think I'm going to get either. I might get Hoskins though. I might, I might be aggressive. I, I'm really eager to see how these two play out over the winter and what happens in early drafts to, to kind of set their ADPs. You know, Chris List, the, the preeminent Buxton guy, will be overdrafting him and uh, you know pretending that he's the greatest player ever. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, next up, Jason, let's switch to catcher. We had a guy, you know, who was Hoskinsing the league this time last year, Gary Sanchez, against uh, Wilson Contreras, who's had a, a tremendous breakout season, interrupted a little bit by a trip to the DL, but he's back raring to go again. Who are you drafting first, Gary Sanchez or Wilson Contreras? It's tough not to say Gary Sanchez. I mean, I just saw a metric the, uh, earlier today, something like he has hit 50 homers like his, he and judge yeah. have the same WRC plus as McGuire and uh, as no, as Manny and, and Ortiz did in 2004 right now. Um, oh and it, just putting up insane production at catcher. I, I don't know. And I like Wilson Contreras a ton. Um, and I would rather, I would rather draft at the price they're going to go for. I would rather take Contreras, but 
I mean, if, wait, if wait, wait. in a vacuum, you got to take Sanchez. Let me jump in. Are you certain that Contreras doesn't go ahead of Sanchez? Cubs fans are wild. No. Look what Sanchez is doing in the time that he missed. I know. I, listen, I hear you. I hear you. 30 homers this year. Uh, there were people talking 35 homers for Gary Sanchez, and I thought they were drunk. I thought they were nuts. And uh, if he hadn't missed time, Gary Sanchez, he's done 30 homers in 106 games with a 280 average. 50 homers in his first 685 plate appearances, which, which is essentially a full season. It's been a 161 games, actually. Actually, it's been 159 games. The two games in 2015, I'm not, I'm not counting those. Um, and I know catchers don't play 159 games in a season, but it just shows you how excellent he's been. I'm going to take – I prefer Sanchez – I think there's going to be leagues where Contreras goes first, though, and then that's when I'm going to be like, okay, fine. Contreras, Posey off the board. Let me get Sanchez. Do you think Sanchez goes against uh, goes over Posey in in yep. the majority of leagues next year yep. to where his ADP is higher? Yep. I think that'd be right if it is, and it, uh, if it's not, it's it's something I would love to take advantage of, to be honest. So I hope it doesn't go that way, but I, th I think it will as well. All right, uh, a couple pitcher ones. And, you know, our long-term boyfriend uh, continues to disappoint us at times, but then he wins us right back over, and he's right in the midst of this uh, this Cleveland Indians win streak here. Carlos Carrasco. I think you're talking about Trevor Bauer. <laughs> that's your boyfriend. I I don't. Although I love the out-of-style. He's shoving it lately. And he's been great. He has. And, and I love the exchange. With he and Garcia, the trash talk that by both amazing. of them. It was great. They both, no one got up in their feelings and and got upset. They both just said, hey, it was all about the battle. It wasn't, you know, personal. And it was like, okay, you walked me, I beat you. I'm a bat flip on a walk, which, fine, you won. But then when I strike you out, I'm going to point to the dugout and say, it's over there, fella. And so I, I, I dug all of that on both sides there because – yeah, they, they each took their medicine when they were beaten. Uh, but Carrasco is the one we're going to be focused on here. We're going to put him up against Luis Severino, one of the arguably the biggest breakout pitcher of the season. Just a tremendous year by Luis Severino. Who are you drafting first and whereabouts? Oh, they're both going to be gone in the third round. You're damn right they are. Sorry, I was taking a drink. They are both going to be gone in the third round. They could go back to back. I I, I honestly don't have a clear favorite. I mean, it's 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 kind of amazing that we've gone we've gotten to the point with uh, with Severino that we weren't sure if he was a reliever or starter coming into the season. That, that we as a as a not even industry, but you know there was talk like what is he better in? Yeah, How, as a baseball you know, entity. Yeah, I don't as think a baseball, baseball entity, we've gone large. from. I mean, we've gone. We've now gone from is he going to be a starter reliever to now is he going to be a top 10 starting pitcher next year? I think the one thing that's holding them back when you look at where things are right now is basically times through the order, which is one of the reasons why you looked at like, hey, can he last as a starter? I was looking at this yesterday with him. His ERA first time through the order, 257. Second time through, 235. And then the times through the order penalty kicks in, 399. That's if, if he can just get that. That one extra piece, then it could be really scary. But I mean, if you look at it, it early in the in the first half of the season, 3.54 ERA, 26% strikeout rate, and the second half, 207, 
and 33% striker. He's gotten even better as the season's gone on. And that's despite Severino. This time, yeah, him. sorry. Yeah, despite the, this time through the order panel, we know Carrasco's good. Um, but one thing, Severino had a couple of implosions really early in the season and then has been amazing since. And Carrasco, every now and then, he gets one of these matchups. You're like a DFS. You're like, oh, boy, he's facing the Padres. And he craps the bed. It, like, it's, it, it never fails. There's three of them a year, minimum. <laughs> There's three to five a year with Carrasco, and it just makes you pull your hair out. But, but again, he always wins me back over because then I'll end up watching the game. Oh, By the way, you have to pitch once, and you're like, oh, I love you. And he has one against the Rays every year. I, I'm sorry that he beats up your team, but like once I think he takes like a seven-inning no-hitter with double-digit strikeouts against the Rays every year. But you're right on on, on, on Severino. He had a few blow-ups, and I was really starting to think of uh, Michael Pineda 2.0 here where it's, you know, it's going to be so good that you have to have him, you have to start him, but you don't know when and where it's going to blow up. And he curbed that in the second half. He's been well, then, tremendous in the I second mean, half. You want to know why Podhorse is going to win Tout Wars? Three dollars Aaron Judge, two dollars Luis Severino. I'm still trying to figure Homer out how Severino off. went for two dollars. Um, on, on he was draft, a, but he was uh, terrible last year. I mean, he, yeah, he still it, two bucks. I remember liking him ERA the for, for a 22 year old. I, I I I can rewind to that time, and I wasn't. I, I was thinking two years down the line. So he was kind of an ignore for me this year. I was like, I want to see something. And then I'll jump in. So I jumped in early. I, the one league I have him, he was in the wire. It was it's twelve team mix, so he wasn't even drafted. And I was able to get a share of Severino, but that was not that was that was that was luck. That was saying, okay, I saw something. I'm going to jump. I did not have a feel that he was ready to break out this year. So I kind of understand that even in the AL only why he only went for two bucks. But what that should what that should tell us or what that should show us is to not give up on these young guys that struggle a little bit early on because they can completely flip it doesn't you know we say it a million times prospect growth isn't linear it doesn't have to be a stair step either where it's like oh he had a 583 area now he's a 412 and now it's a 330 and now it's a 296 no it goes 583 to 296 because a couple things changed and clicked for severino and boom he's a stud so I, i'm actually with you and i know that we didn't really answer to say who we're taking first because they are so close uh as kind of third fourth rounders depending on league size again we said 15 teams so that'd be uh third round in that top 45 range i think i would i would lean slightly toward carrasco um but uh, honestly you you ask me five different times and I think I'm going to go three and two. Like it's really difficult to separate the two. I was hoping that you would have some magical tidbits to help separate the two. Cause it's really, really difficult. So I expect well, I mean, to rank here, them very close. So if you want to do, if you want to look at something, it's like, we know the durability issue with Carrasco has been a problem. I mean, we look at by the time this season's over, uh, you know, by the time this season's over, he will be at, uh, why does stuff just disappear on me? Get away, minor leaguers. I got you. I got you on the innings. It's there we go. There we go. Yeah, he he'll probably be about 190 when this season's over. 183, 146. The last couple of years, I was looking at uh, the game line. I think we talked about this a week or two ago. But the the Carrasco, where he's gotten into trouble, has been against the Yankees and Red Sox here in the second half. He had a five and two thirds, five runs, six hits. Mm-hmm. Um, against the the Red Sox, one and two thirds was out before the second inning against the against the Red Sox. One time got chased by them again a couple of weeks ago. But other than that, he's been awesome. 
And he's got, and then he had that one game right out of the All Star break uh, where Oakland got to him five earned runs and six and a third. But the, everything the else DF, been the, the DFS one you talk about, yeah. where it's like, yep. oh, I'm starting Carrasco. He's my centerpiece. Here we go. And I bet you his DFS score was actually still decent because he went six and a third and struck out ten. But that's supposed to be your like anchor score for well, there the was night. the other one there was the game uh against the rangers where he couldn't make it out of the fourth inning uh you know three and a third nine base runners eight runs and that's oh, when yeah. texas was really struggling and yeah, he you know and they they stuck it to him tampa bay got to him uh in mid-may three and two-thirds six hits three walks five they were runs tired of getting out. beaten by him every year yeah so there are they're just goofy things like that um but then it, but by the way really, they're, they're tough to separate because Severino's just pitching some amazing baseball right now. To keep the streak going, August 11th at Tampa Bay, eight shutout innings, two hits, ten strikeouts. Oh, he took once, a no-hitter into the sixth inning. Uh, once a year. Once a year. All right, last one here. This involves one of your guys uh, who, who got nicked up but came back and pitched, Chris Archer versus Robbie Ray. Now, Robbie Ray, somebody I, you know, I've had trouble believing in. He's had a great season this year. I've definitely elevated him. How could I not? I'd be foolish to still kind of be uh, stuck where I was this year and, and saying kind of, you know, prove it. He proved something. Absolutely. So I'm definitely much higher on him than I was coming into the season with Robbie Ray. But I am curious how you feel about Robbie Ray versus somebody a little bit more established like Chris Archer. Though as much as we both like Archer, especially as, as, a, as a guy, you know, he's a good dude. I love seeing him on TV and all that sort of stuff. Don't know that that automatically translates to the field because now we're looking back-to-back four ERA seasons, which is not horrible, especially with the strikeouts. But the expectation is for him to be more in that 3-2 to 3-5 range, which is where he spent uh, the three years before, 2013 to 2015, when he put up a 326 over 535 innings. So I am kind of curious where we're at with Archer, who can't seem to avoid the implosion from time to time, versus a Robbie Ray. Here's the thing. I'm I'm putting at least half a run of that ERA on his manager, and if okay. Kevin Cash is still the manager next year, give me Robbie Ray because oh, Cash Cash I Cash keeps uh, with the way I'm done with the way he manages Chris Archer. I mean, there Archer has trouble. He where I was talking about the times to the order penalty with Severino, it's pretty bad with Archer too. Three sixty two in the first, two fifty eight the second time through, and then five twenty nine the third time through. He gets his batting average against. 213, 211, 305. He keeps leaving. He keeps leaving him in too long. Now, I'm not all, I'm not about pulling him after 18 batters faced, but Chris Archer is not efficient with his pitches. And he'll be at 100 pitches going into the sixth inning. And then he's coming. Now he's going to face the heart of that lineup. He's going to face that two, three, four, that the three, four, five for a third time. You know, he'll walk one guy. Somebody gets a bleeding single, and then here comes a three-run home run. But he's is, Kevin Cash will consistently leave him in one batter too long. And I, I swear, if I go back and look, like I'm looking at 28 of his earned runs, 28 out of his uh, 73 earned runs have come the third time through. 36. He almost has as many earned runs after two times through the order as he does the first two trips to the order. That is that's crazy. how much of his damage happens late. And this it is so stark. I'm looking at insane. by inning for Chris Archer, and he doesn't. It, oh, his first inning 497, a little bit high, but then 372, 217, 257, 418, 324 in the sixth inning. Then in the seventh inning, it jumps to 10.03. Like it, it, it is kind of almost that Pedro point where it's like. It is the danger zone, and it has to be a very quick hook at that point. Like you said, it doesn't have to be where you're rolling 
and and you only have 78 pitches through six, he can go back out. Archer can. But when it is one of those ones where it's like, okay, you have 98 pitches through six, you've given up one run, we're in this game, you're done, dude. Like I, I think until he shows Archer that he can can make it through, then it has to be done because 10-12 ERA in the eighth too. So the times that he made it through the seventh, he got his butt kicked in the eighth, and he hasn't even been in the eighth that much. That's inflated. That's 2.2 innings. But uh, 11 and two-thirds for the 10-03 ERA in the seventh inning is just a stark breaking point there for Archer. So um, I, I just – I get your point on cash. So we will keep an eye on whether or not he gets fired. What about Robbie Ray? Like I said, wasn't a huge believer. Um, What he did, the major change that I saw this year when he really took off, they highlighted on one of the broadcasts was that he sped up his mechanics. A lot of times we talk about guys slowing down. He went the other way, increased the pace and it's really helped him. And he really hasn't had those blowups that we got used to seeing um, compared him to a Michael Pineda in the past too. And they, they didn't have the same sort of thing because Robbie Ray's always walked guys. Pineda hasn't, but the the general point there was they were these ticking time bombs that you never knew when they were really going to blow up, but they were so good that you really couldn't take them out of the lineup. Well, he's kind of, he's kind of pushed beyond that. He still has his walk issues, but he hasn't given up more than uh, four earned, but, twice this year and the last time was back on may 9th against the greatest team in the world the detroit tigers so you can give him a free pass for that one since that point just since may 9th going till now he's got a 228 era with 139 strikeouts in 102 and two-thirds innings double digit strikeouts in each of his last three outings two of which against the dodgers although they're an easy team so maybe that's not an impressive feat i don't know what happened to that they switched out that 92 team. wins and counting eventually I can't believe I honestly I can't believe it dude like I I'm making jokes but I cannot believe that they've fallen into this level of a tailspin it's really snowballing on itself but uh, Ray's closing brilliantly too like Severino so I actually I'm going to flip it on you a little bit are you guaranteed taking Severino over Ray yes what about Carrasco v Archer just kind of mix and match the two pairs here okay so so Carrasco and Severino are a level just with I mean I, I really like Robbie Ray yeah, I, and I liked him a ton coming into this. I liked him last yeah. year. I, I kept, I was, I, I sat on him. Um, I had him, I drafted him for two dollars last year in a, in my local NL league. Kept him, sat on him. You know, you, the walk rate you would like to see it below ten percent, but if his strikeout, if he's striking out a third of the batters he faces, and his strikeout minus walk rate uh, ratio, the uh, the percentage is still twenty two percent. That's damn good for a starting pitcher. I can live with that walk rate. Especially when you you got to factor in some of that is walking the number eight hitter to get to the pitcher. Exactly. There are calculated walks with him, and that's something I noticed by watching Ray a lot more this year, where he doesn't give in. And that's something that Pineda did do, and that was a big separator between the two because Pineda would, would – give him that three, one cookie to kind of avoid the walk. And then the guy ends up hitting a Homer and, and Ray says, Nope, I will refresh with a new batter, whether it's getting to the pitcher or the, the six hitter, I'd rather face the seven hitter. He doesn't give in. He'll put the guy on base and try to get out of it. He doesn't always get out of it, but he does enough that you can understand why the walk rates there with Robbie Ray, by the way, seven, nothing now for the Cleveland Indians, Jose Ramirez, his 26th Homer Carrasco is pitching a shutout. He's, beasting two for three with two runs scored and three ribbies for Francisco Lindor. So if Kluber had been pitching, it would have been all three of the guys we were talking about here in the first, first round potentially. But my gosh, this team is absolutely ridiculous right now. Um, Jose Ramirez, is he a legitimate MVP candidate? 
Yeah, he should be. I mean, I know, yes, Altuve and and, uh, and Trout absolutely belong up in that discussion, but you know there's recency bias in this. There's no always doubt. recency bias in this, and it's who gets hot late, and there ain't nobody hotter than Jose Ramirez right Especially now. Especially with a 19-game winning streak, right? I mean, I, I, I'm jinxing him right now by saying it's over, but David Schoenfield tweeted it out, said it, book it, it's game over in the fourth inning, so... He'll take the heat. By the on way, the Robbie Ray's walked ten number eight hitters this season. There you go. He's that, walked, I mean, he's walked uh, eleven leadoff batting first. Uh, Twelve guys batting thirties walked ten batting eighth. And I wonder, like, just, let's just, you know, if you take those ten walks out, not that he, they don't count, just but just to them. kind of see where his his uh, his walk percentage is without it. Let's see. It would be. Fine. It would be nine percent, so he loses an entire percentage point. And you, like you said, if it's under ten percent, you'd feel a lot better. So, yeah, I mean, it, he, I, I really do like Ray a lot more now. I trust him a lot more. Um, part of the mechanical change, and I don't know that the mechanical change coordinates to the because the home was the issue. You know, a lot of guys you don't want him away from their park. Uh, he's been the other way. Robbie Ray has, where he's really great on the road and struggles at home, but. Ever since he made that mechanical change, he's no longer a must-sit-at-home the way he was, where you didn't even necessarily yeah, want to Yeah, we learned that lesson. Padres at home. Yeah. We talked about must-sitting in May, and he went out and like struck out 14, and people were uh, laughing at us on Twitter. Like, oops, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was – It was. I think it was a San Diego – the San Diego-Milwaukee, I think these two in a row here were a uh, – were yeah, both I maintain the numbers backed us up. And we were we were nervous about it because we're like, ah, oh, you know, you can't be trusted at home. And his previous two home games before that were against Detroit and Pittsburgh when he gave up nine in nine. And we we're I think we said, even though it's San Diego, if you can get out of that Milwaukee start, you should do it. Okay, well he went thirteen. Oh, there it and, was June sixth. Thirteen in the third innings, twenty three strikeouts, six yeah, hits. That was the week. One run. Whoops. Hey, we don't get them all right, y'all. At least I guaranteed that Aaron Judge wouldn't be any good, and I nailed that one, guys, because I saw him at the Arizona Fall League. I am an elite scout. No, I'm a Yeah, come back and join us. If you're listening this week, there is a $100 discount on uh, the first pitch Arizona if you sign up by this Friday. So uh, go to BaseballHQ.com, and we'll get the links on the podcast, but they are offering a one final discount of $100 off uh, to come enjoy our company. I'm telling you. If you got the means, you got to get out there. Victor Robles going to be out there. Uh, is Acuna going out there? I don't know. I, I got to look. I heard rosters were announced. Yeah, uh, they, let's, they have let's been announced. Up and let's do a little bit of uh, who you might see out there. Why were uh, there we go? And they are loaded. It, it's it's um. There's like no pitching to speak of. But who cares? Uh, I, Who's there to watch pitching? I, I love watching <laughs> pitching. I think Acuna and Kyle Tucker. And um, yeah, Cal, uh, Robles, Victor Robles, Acuna, Kyle Tucker, Francisco Mejia is going to be there. Kyle Play, Lewis, Francisco Luisa, Mejia is going to be playing the Price. infield too. He's not going to be uh, he's not going to be catching. Um, Mitch Keller is going to be there. Max Fried, Tuki Toussaint. That's nice. Nice. Tyler J. That's nice. We got there's enough guys there. Guriel is going to be there. We'll do a full uh, we'll do a full deep dive before we get out there sometime in October ahead of, of when we go. It's going to be fun. But again, I know we keep pumping it, but it's I guarantee you guys will have fun. It's so much fun, not just the panels and everything, but then uh, what surrounds it. Going to the games, the poker night. You don't even have to play poker. You can just come hang out in the room and talk Hopefully with the live podcast. Yeah, live podcast will be done. I think you're gonna do you're gonna twitch with Bogman from uh, in this first league. Twitch. 
from from Whataburger. So that's a great experience for everybody. So it, it's 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 just awesome. Again, you really should look into doing it if you can make it. Uh, Jason, that's going to wrap us up. You got to get some sleep, man. You're out on I the do. road. I, I got to go to Long Beach. I got to fly out to Long Beach tomorrow around the, the remnants of the storm. So that's going to be fun. That's um, a yeah, that's a grind. We get home late Thursday night, and uh, then it's uh, it's Mr. Mom weekend. My wife gets to go out of town for a change. So okay. Well, are you good to go during the, the weekend, or will you? Have I to- am good to go. No, I'm okay. good to go. Uh, we, then- we'll, we'll hammer out some time on Sunday and uh, get it done. Yeah, we'll get it done on the weekend this time, and we will talk about some guys for that for that final stretch run. Uh, I want to thank Justin Mason for producing the show again, and uh, Jason, I'll talk to you later this weekend. All right, see you, man. Bye.